Welcome to Forward to the Future, a podcast of conversations on leadership and education administration. In our first season, we will be interviewing retiring superintendents who are members of LUDA, the large unit school district association in Illinois. Our host is Dr. John Berkey, former teacher, principal, and superintendent. Dr. Berkey is currently the executive director of the large unit district association of Illinois. And now, here is our show. I would like to welcome everyone to our very first podcast, and uh, today we have a very special guest with us. We have Dr. Brian Harris, who is the superintendent of Barrington School District 220, and uh, Brian is actually retiring this year and has spent uh, has spent his whole career in schools and has spent had number of jobs, uh, leadership jobs, and we're going to talk to him about things he's learned over his career and get into some of those issues. So welcome, Brian. Thank you, John, for this opportunity. Well, it's great for uh, for all of our people uh, listening to be able to hear from uh, your wealth of experience. Maybe start off by tell us a little bit about your background. Like, why why did you get into education? What were your jobs up until the point you got to Barrington Two Twenty? John, I always uh, from the very beginning loved kids, and that was the pivot moment for me when I was a student at the University of Illinois back in the mid eighties. I went there. You can't to be, go uh, wrong with being a student there. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And I, uh, it all started there. And I got the, my sophomore year, and I was in the business school, and and it just was not floating my boat. And I was coaching kids. I would, I was a lifeguard. I taught swim lessons. I just enjoyed being around kids. So I pivoted uh, to decide to become a uh, teacher. Uh, started out as a high school social studies teacher. Uh, enjoyed that for a period of time. Uh, and then quickly moved into administration, uh, became an assistant principal at a middle school, did that for seven years uh, in Aluda District in, at Yorkville, and then again in Barrington uh, back in the 90s. Uh, shortly after that, I moved to St. Charles as a middle school principal and spent quite a few years, um, uh, 11 years in St. Charles as a middle school principal and as an assistant superintendent. And then finally, uh, my years as superintendent has been in Wheat Warrenville, District 200, and here in Barrington uh, for the last seven as superintendent. So I have spent a significant amount of my career, almost 95% of it in Luda districts. I've been very fortunate and uh, had great opportunities along the journey. Um, you know, leadership, I believe, is a calling. And at uh, each opportunity that I had before me and pursued, I felt like it was the right time, the right set of circumstances where I felt like I could make a difference with a broader set of responsibility. So one of the things we we like to do with with people as they're uh, nearing uh, the end of their leadership career is talk about some of the lessons that you've learned that you can impart on 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 others. And so, uh, what are some of the just big picture lessons you've learned uh, about leadership that you can share with our listeners? Well, I think a lot of us are in these roles. We've all been through the formal training, right? But I do believe there's a few key things that that I have learned over the years or that I have uh, experienced that I think are valuable. First of all, leadership's a journey. Uh, it's not a destination. You've never arrived. And uh, for example, whereas I have been a superintendent, you know, pretty successful over the last 10 years, 
this 11th year, I felt like a first year superintendent, given all of the challenges over the last 12 months with COVID. I mean, nothing was uh, as we had, I had ever experienced before in any role I'd ever had in public life. And it's, it's very, very challenging. And so I did pull from every single experience that I've had along the way to try to make uh, effective decisions, you know, this past year. And it's been tough. It's been tough because uh, there's been uh, split thinking, no matter what was happening, uh, it's been very different. So uh, it's you're never arrived. Don't ever think you've arrived <laughs> because once you think you have, uh, all of a sudden something will happen and it is a journey and it will continue. Um, I think, you know, another an opportunity, change is an opportunity to do something great. I've always had that in front of me and I believe that served me well. Um, you know, some change I have pushed myself as a leader or the leadership roles I have been in. But some change has just been plopped onto me, right? Whereas I have been asked to lead a change, not because something I've chosen. Um, and those are two very different scenarios, right? Ones that I choose to pursue and ones that, you know, may not be something I really want to do. And, but I, what I have found is, is you also at the end of it, you can really do something special. If you stay the course, stick by your principles, you know, have the moral compass in place, I think it's critical always, um, because you will get pursued by the things that aren't always the right thing to do. Uh, and I do believe that that compass is critical um, because the, the, the paths that you uh, avoid are, are there for a reason and you need to make sure you do head in the right direction. Um, I think a couple other key aspects of leadership that I have always you know, led by is to hire good people and get out of their way. You know, I believe micromanaging your staff is a major, major mistake. I have been, I was allowed as I came up through the leadership ranks to be able to learn and to lead on my own. And I was mentored by some really good people. And there were times when I needed direction. <laughs> and, and when I got it, I accepted it and I, I took it to that next level. But on the other hand, I also benefited from uh, supervisors that allowed me to lead, gave me the rope, gave me the ability to, you know, experience some things on my own and figure them out. And I have done that as a superintendent, especially. Uh, I really work hard on hiring the right people. And when I get them on board, then I let them do their jobs. I don't micromanage. I touch base with them. I don't get in their business. Um, I, you know, and, but I ask them to keep me informed and, uh, and support them when a challenge is in front of them, but also, uh, let them, you know, it, it also, uh, benefit from the success of their leadership also. Um, and, and I think, you know, a couple other key items I just want to share. I have learned over the years that the media is not your friend. Okay. <laughs> the media will never be your friend. And that's print media, that's TV, radio, that's social media. Don't ever think any of those realms will be your friend because they're just flat out not. I use all of them. I am very careful in all of them. Um, and most of the time I am successful using them, but not always. And uh, just know that they will never be your friend in any leadership role and, and beware. 
Um, finally, I encourage people to be the leader you wish you had. Um, you know, I think about that often. Am I being the leader I wish I had uh, in any of my roles or any of my life experiences? And be that person, right? Uh, be thoughtful, compassionate, be confident, and uh, provide supports and, 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 you know, direction when needed. Um, and uh, I think that served me well, and I encourage people to do that in their roles also. Well, thank you. No, so I'm I, some great uh, some great examples there, and I want to want to hone in on a few. Uh, I you know you talked about the journey being so important, and I think you know I think that's great because I think we often do think of, wow, we got this, but you're right, we've never got this, and we we can only keep improving and getting better, but uh, it, it definitely is a journey. The other thing you talked about, which is so important, is is hiring the right people because we are a people business, <laughs> and the quality of our people is is everything. Certainly, classroom teachers are 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 the most critical element to to a student's success. But principals, central office administrators, and all the support staff. Let, let me ask you this: So, when you hire people, and you know whether it's principals, central office administrators. What tells you that, wow, this is the right type of person? What do you, what do you look for that helps tell you that? Well, first of all, I, I want to make sure the person um, has, you know, the right skill set, okay? And when I say that, I'm not even talking about the credentials, right? I mean, that's part of the application process. People that apply for our jobs, especially in our Luda districts, they're qualified, Right. It's about finding the right skill set. I want people that have communication skills. I want people that are going to be listeners first and talkers second, right? Um, I want people in leadership roles that care about who is right and not about what is right, okay? We're in the people business. You said it. And if you don't have those critical skills, I can coach people up on content or on district initiatives or stuff. What I can't coach people up on is having those interpersonal skills, communication skills, both written and oral, being able to get along and play well with others in the sandbox. And that is some of those key aspects that I believe are critical for people I hire. I'll tell you another thing I do when I hire people and whether when I was a principal, when I had my leadership team or when I, and when I was hiring teachers or even in a central office role and a superintendent, I don't want a bunch of yes people sitting in my table, uh, at my table or in my conversations. I like a mix of perspectives. I want people that see the world a little differently around my table. I know how I think, and I want some people around me that maybe think a little differently, that maybe see some things different than I do and open my eyes to other perspectives. That's something I pursue. I say it to my team all the time, my exec counsel team here in Barrington. I mean, they're very, very different people and that's intentional on my behalf. And I believe we have one, a very, very strong team for that exact reason. Well, that's, and that's often one of the uncomfortable parts of being a leader uh, is that you, you wanna create an environment where you get challenged. And, and that's not always comfortable for us, but if, if we don't create that environment, you're right. People will never give you their honest opinions and won't tell you those things. And then ultimately uh, you, will, you won't be uh, uh, as good a leader as you could be. So 
I, I think that's a key thing, but not always comfortable. That's exactly right. So let me ask you this. Let's go back pre-COVID. So let's take the last year, which actually we're right at a year now uh, to where to where this started. Let's go back pre-COVID. What is one of the most challenging situations you dealt with in, in as an administrator in any of your jobs that really stands out to you where you could talk about how your effective leadership helped you and the organization get through it? You know... Um, I, I'm going to go back to an experience I had as a principal, and it was a critical one that I learned that that has served me well for the rest of my time in school leadership. I had a very tough position in my building. Uh, it was an industrial technology position that I had hired uh, a, a couple different people. I could not find the right person, okay, to fill this job. And I thought that I had nailed it. I hired a person that was highly qualified. The mistake I made was I hired my neighbor, okay? My neighbor that lived behind me. I had known him as a neighbor for many years. I did not know him as an employee. I did not know him as a, I betted him out. I call references. I did all that stuff. I thought, wow, I think I've nailed this. I got my person, right? I can tell you that situation was disastrous, okay? Uh, he came into the building, uh, was totally different in the work environment than he was as a, a across-the-back fence person. Um, it was extremely difficult, where I thought I had nailed it. You know, this was that where I go back to that leadership is a journey, not a destination. Mm -hmm. yeah. And um, while well, I had not nailed it, and all of a sudden within... Oh, I'd say within nine months, I had a major challenge on my hand. And I'll tell you why it was a challenge. It not only affected my professional life, I, I could deal with that. It affected my personal life, right? All of a sudden, my wife, my family was involved because this was now, it was the first time in my leadership journey that my personal life was going to be affected by something I had to do. And so when we started, it, you know, the, this person ended up working for me for two years Midway through that second year, I did tell him that his contract was not going to be renewed because he basically couldn't get along with people in the building and created significant drama and challenges. And it was tough. I will tell you, I learned my lesson. Uh, ironically, what, what happened um, was that eventually, you know, the year ended, he moved on, he got a job and uh, him and his family eventually moved after about a year and a half later. Uh, it was awkward. It was very difficult. And um, it, it, I learned my lesson right there that, and I have never done it since. I've never hired, I would call a personal friend since then, ever in my life. Uh, I just thought, you know what, I'm never going to do that again. Uh, I don't, I value friendships. Um, and I, I crossed the bridge there that I shouldn't have crossed. And um, and so therefore, uh, and I have never done it since, truthfully. And I've always been very, you know, aware of that moving forward. No, I think, I think that's great advice. And I think that uh, that's, that's even particularly challenging when you're a, 
a, a superintendent or a principal educational leader in a smaller community because everybody knows everybody. And it's almost impossible to avoid that. And it, it becomes really, for all the reasons you listed, I mean, it does become very awkward and challenging uh, when those situations occur that you can't uh, be the friend, so to speak, you, you, you have to do what you have to do as a, as a leader and a supervisor. So uh, it's a great, great, a great example. You know, one of the things that, that we have really been highlighting a lot more as leaders, thankfully, because this needed to be highlighted a lot more is diversity and equity. And we, you know, we really recognize that even in our best school districts, we have many students, uh, particularly students of color, students of poverty, that uh, don't have the same experience that, uh, that many students have. What advice do you have for how a, a leader can address that and put those issues at the forefront, not just to talk about them, but to, to start to make substantive change? I think equity is one of these issues that is going to be uh, on our plate for a long time. Okay, it has been for a while, but it, it certainly is going to uh, escalate it today and it, and it will tomorrow and beyond. I think first and foremost, as leaders, people are going to be uncomfortable and you better get used to it. Um, and uh, having conversations you didn't know you didn't know. Okay, and I say that as a white male. All right, I sit here today. You know, in this role, uh, you know, my initial reaction when I when I first heard the term, and it's been a while now, white privilege, right? Um, that's a tough term, and 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 for me, I had never thought about it. I didn't know what I didn't know about it, right? Uh, I lived my life. I had, you know, nothing was ever. I always felt like nothing was ever handed to me. I worked my butt off my entire career. Now, was my path maybe a little easier than others? Probably, okay? It probably was. I didn't know it as I was on that journey. Um, I didn't recognize it. I didn't know it. Um, I didn't know any different. Um, but it's something that, that I just never, I didn't know what I didn't know. And I, as I dig into this topic, especially from my experience and perspective, it's something that I have to share and, and as a leader with others and saying, you know what? My path was easier than others. It just flat out was. Um, now, was it easy? No. Was it easier? Yeah, it probably was. I didn't have the, the taller hurdles. I didn't have doors shut on me that maybe others did, right? Um, I think a phrase that I've used in other circumstances fits here with equity. What you permit, you promote. So whatever you allow to happen in your organization, then you're promoting it, okay? So if you think everything's okay, then you're promoting the status quo and you're promoting what happened yesterday or the day before or 10 years ago to be acceptable. So I think you need to think hard about where you're headed as an organization in a leadership role and think about opportunities and seek different perspectives about how you can uh, open those doors for people that have never had them open before. Uh, provide that path, maybe that was open for me as an individual, as a white male, that may not have been open for a black female or for other people that don't look and like me, that don't 
have the opportunities maybe that I had. So I encourage us all to, to dig deep on this topic. Think about how you can uh, lead those tough conversations and just know it's going to be uncomfortable. It's not going to be easy. A lot of people aren't going to get it. It's, um, you know, it, it, but it's a conversation worth having. And it's certainly a, a leadership uh, opportunity that all of us must must take, uh, you know, full force and move forward. Well, I think you make a great point about about being uncomfortable. I, if, you know, for anyone who is is looking to be a really effective leader, who who's looking to to always be comfortable, you're not looking at the right job uh, because you know the status quo is comfortable, and and if you're going to truly tackle the the difficult challenges, and you know all the challenges we just talked about with equity and diversity. Are incredibly challenging, and people have very different views on 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 how we got here, where we need to go from here. But those those discussions, they 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 definitely have to they definitely have to happen for for the good of all of our all of our students. So, let me. Uh, I asked you about a difficult situation you dealt with. Let me let me take it a a very different direction. When you look back on your whole career in educational leadership, if you had to look back on one thing that you are just most proud of that you were able to accomplish, what would that be? I believe keeping a work-life balance. I, I believe I've, I've been in tough roles all the way. I shared that at the beginning of this conversation along the journey, whether it was a teacher and now, now being a superintendent and everything in between. Um, that work-life balance has, has served me well. And I will put it in this order. My health, my faith, my family, and my career, right? In that order, okay? First of all, you have to take care of yourself. You know, you're, you have to have that work-life balance. When I say health, it's not just your physical health. It's your mental health. It's your social health, I will call it. Mm -hmm. Find time to have fun. And I've always done that. I've done that my entire career uh, when I started 34 years ago and, when, and even now. Uh, my faith. That I talked to mention that moral compass, you know, whatever your faith is, you know, stick with it. That's your guiding force. It will serve you well, right? To allow you to make good decisions and how you work with people and impact, you know, uh, your career. I think family, uh, you know, my family has always been a huge priority for me. And uh, I have, if I need to take a day off, I take the day off. If I, you know, I made a career choice many years ago to work and live in the same community when my kids were in school. My son started, was in first grade when I was in St. Charles as a principal. And by, before I left to go to Wheaton, my, my uh, son was a senior in high school. My daughter was a junior. So I spent a majority of my career when my kids were in school in the district I worked in. And that was intentional. I wanted to go to my kid's band concert. I wanted to go to that, uh, that track meet. I wanted to go to those events and be a part of my kids' life. And that was very important to me and, and my, with my wife. And finally, my career, um, you know, I've also made those same type of decisions in my career. Uh, I never moved too quick and I felt like I did a nice job balancing, taking the next step when it was appropriate in my, in my work-life balance. And so I, I am proud of that. And, you know, I don't point to a particular, you know, event in my career. I think that, that, work-life balance and, and keeping that perspective has allowed me to be successful. 
I think that's uh, no, I think that's a great point. So, so we're going to end each one of these podcasts with a couple signature things. And the first one is I want to ask each of our guests. So I'm obviously going to start with you. Who is a leader that you really admire that you have always looked to help guide you? I will tell you the leader that I have become more impressed with, I would say in the last 10 years, and I've, is Teddy Roosevelt. Teddy Roosevelt was a fascinating person. Obviously, he was a U.S. president, but he did much more than that. I knew I was a U.S. history teacher, okay? So I always seem to gravitate toward people in that U.S. history perspective, Um but he was not a person that I connected with early on in my career. He just wasn't. Um, but I have, I think it's as I went up the leadership ladder, I think some of his uh, thinking and some of his events were just really profound for me that he didn't march to everybody else's tune. And he, he went against the grain many times in his life. He, he was born into privilege and he, but he didn't always live that. And he took, he went against the grain. He went against his family's friends and neighbors, and he did what he thought was the right thing to do throughout his life. And I'll leave this, my thought with a quote of his that I, that I uh, believe, and I've, I've, you know, I've always followed people don't care how much, you know, until they know how much you care. He said that often, and he said it many times in his life. He obviously became famous for it when he was president. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. If you have the relationship, then they'll listen to you and they'll follow you. And that's what leadership's all about. And I think he walked the walk and or talked the talk and walked the walk. I believe I've done the same. And he is a fascinating individual. And uh, I have recently read some of his stuff and watched the most recent PBS series about him and you know, it's just solidified my thinking about him as a, as a leader. Yeah, well, no, thank you for that. So I want to end then with a, with a, we're going to end each one of these with a, with another leadership quote to bring in another leader. And actually today's leader I'm going to bring in is W.E.B. Du Bois. And uh, I chose him today, particularly, I didn't know this until I researched it, but he was actually born in 1868 in Great Barrington, Massachusetts. So there's a little bit of a connection. I didn't know there was a great Barrington, Massachusetts, but now we know Barrington, Illinois is not great Barrington. It's, it's, it's Barrington. But anyway, uh, W.E.V. Du Bois, if, if, if people don't know, um, was uh, actually one of the founders of the NAACP. And he was also the very first African-American to get a Ph.D. from Harvard. And so uh, very important, influential American. And I have a very, very simple but powerful quote from him that I think is really important. He said, children learn from what you are rather than what you teach. And, and, and I think that's so powerful for us as leaders to remember that we have to live and display the ideals of what we want in other people. It's not just what we say. So we thank uh, him for that quote. And uh, Brian, really want to thank you for taking time with us on our inaugural podcast. I think I think this will ensure that we get picked up in a future episodes. This went very well. So All right. well, thank John, you again. Thank you for the opportunity. Yeah. I enjoyed the conversation and uh, look forward to hearing from the others as well.